0: said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Louis Torres. There's been a lot of questions of recent times concerning the headship in the scriptures. The headship is something that the Bible speaks about, and I thought it would be well for us to clarify some of these things because there seems to be a lot of confusion that's about. First of all, I I to tell you that men and women are not the same. Now, you probably knew that already. But perhaps you did not know that there are many differences between men and women. Let me just suggest a few. Because of her unique chromosomal pattern, a woman has greater constitutional vitality. Normally, they outlive men by three to four years. Generally, women die of disorders related to female reproduction and breast cancer, which men don't suffer from. Women's stomach, kidneys, liver, and appendix are larger than men's, did you know that? Their lungs are smaller than men's, resulting in about 30% less lung capacity. The basal metabolic rate of men is higher than that of women. The finger, the first finger of a woman's hand is usually longer than the third. Did you know that? If you take your first finger and you look at it, and you take the third finger and you look at it, Normally speaking, the first finger is longer than the third finger. With men, the opposite is true. With men, usually the first finger is shorter than the third. So boys' teeth last longer than do those of girls. Women's skeleton structure has a shorter head, broader face, less protruding chin, shorter legs, and longer Trunk. The glands work differently in the two sexes. For example, a woman's thyroid is larger and more active. It enlarges during menstruation and pregnancy, which makes her more prone to goiter, provides resistance to cold, and is associated with a smooth skin, rel- relatively hairless body, and a thin layer of subcutaneous fat that are important elements in the concept of personal beauty. Her blood contains more water, 20% fewer red cells. Since red cells supply oxygen to the body, she tires more easily and is more prone to faint. 9. Normally, men are 50% stronger than women in brute strength. 10. Men's hearts beat slower than those of women. 11. Women's blood pressure, 10 points lower than men, varies from minute to minute. Women have menopause. Men do not. Women can withstand high temperatures better than men because their metabolic rate is slower or slows down less. That's why women can handle kitchens better than men can. Men and women differ in every cell of their bodies because they carry a different chromosomal pattern. Male and female fetus, corpuses, colosomes, are different. The bridge of nerve tissues that connects the right and the left sides of the brain had a thicker measurement in female fetuses than in male fetuses. Sixteen. Men and women listened to a novel. When males listened, only the left hemisphere of their brains was activated. The brains of female subjects, however, showed activity on both the left and the right hemispheres. Seventeen. Men have larger brains. Did you know that? But women have more brain cells. 18. Men and women are different, uh, use different parts of their brains while thinking. 19. There are significant differences in the brain activity of men and women. 20. Male brain neurons are about a third larger than female neurons. Male and female neurons take up significantly different amounts of dopamine. (coughs) A brain chemical that acts as a mood enhancer relieves pain and regulates motion. Twenty-one, the electrical system of the heart is different in men and women. Women have faster heart rates and a different electrocardiogram than, than men. That's only 21 of the many, many differences that there are between men and women. Now, perhaps you knew some of these things, and perhaps you didn't. How many of you did not know some of these things? Now you know that there is a difference between you, not just in the physical appearance, but actually in your makeup. Men and women are different. Now, when God decided to create mankind, He could have done the same thing that He did with Mary. He could have inseminated... Eve, and from Eve, bring about an Adam. He could have done that. Is that true? If he could do it with Mary, he certainly could have do it in creation. He could have made a woman and then plant a seed and there would be a man born. But God did not choose to do it that way. God chose to make a man and from the man make a woman. Which is clearly a purposeful plan that God had. Because the normal process of a man being born comes from a woman. Is that true? But in creation it was not so. God did it reverse. So when you ask the question, what comes first, a chicken or the egg, that is a mute question because the Bible makes it plain that man came first. What do you say? All right? So, God made things different. Now, God could have made another man to meet the needs of Adam. As the Bible says that a brother or a friend sticks closer than a brother. But a man, another man could not actually meet the needs of a man. It had to be a woman. So in the beginning, God made a man. From the man, he made a woman. And in Timothy and as well as Genesis, it says that God chose to first make a man. Now, ladies, this is not about an anti-lady presentation. It is about a biblical presentation, helping us as biblical Christians to understand that God is a God of order. And that in His order, He chooses to do what He believes to be the best for His creation. And when we follow what God has ordained, we find ourselves happier. When we go contrary to what God has ordained, we find ourselves messed up. Notice I didn't say unhappy. So, God chose to make a man first. Adam was given the sole responsibility in creation, number one, to dress the garden. Before there was an Eve, before Eve was created to be a helpmate, God had already given Adam his tasks. In Genesis 2.15, it is clear that God told him that he was to dress the garden. He was also told solely, Eve was not around, to stay away from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I have the verses there to prove what I'm saying. Number three. He was given the sole task of naming the animals. Eve was not yet created. Number four, he was given dominion of the earth before there was a woman. And so Adam was made first, and he was the one that was given the responsibility of being loyal to God. He was the one given the task to take care of the garden. He was the one given the task to name the animals. He was given the dominion over the world, and he was given the task of naming his helpmeet. And so all of these were first done with Adam before there was a woman on the earth. From Adam's bones, God made an Eve. And she was called the mother of all living. Now there are people who go around trying to teach that before Adam and Eve, there were other, other beings around. The Bible is plain that Eve is the mother of all living of course, apart from Adam. So anything that came after Adam came from Eve. The Bible then is clear that man was not created for women, but woman was created for the man. Eve was created to be a helpmeet. And by the way, that's repeated twice in verse 18 and verse 20. The word helpmeet uh, simply means somebody who is to be a helper to somebody else. That's what the word help means. And uh, in Ephesians 5.23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So right from the beginning, God made man responsible for the woman as well as he made responsible for all the earth. when you consider this, it places a great responsibility on men to be Christ-like. Because without a Christ-like character, you will take all that God has done and mess it up. And so God created all these things, but He also created man with the ability to take all that God had ordained and use it For the benefit of others. And so, while Eve was to be a helpmeet, she was not to be a slave. She was to be a companion to Adam. And sometimes people misuse the Bible, even when it says, let the women go home and ask their husbands, let them not speak in church. Now, people take that and say, women are not supposed to speak in church. But please remember, that Paul says, let them go and ask their husbands. Therefore, Paul is only speaking about married women. Who? Married women. It is not a general statement of applying to all women. And since it says, let them go and ask their husbands, that means that single women, or women who never got married, uh, virgins, etc., were permitted to talk. And if you take that and apply it in an appropriate way, uh, you would understand that God is not, through Paul, saying that women, period, can never speak in the church. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says that both men and women prophesy. And prophesy was only to be done where? In the church. And so, while people can take and uh, completely alter what God meant, We can read it for ourselves and see what the Bible says. Mankind had not been considered fallen until Adam fell. In other words, when Eve sinned, it was not considered that man had been conquered. It was only until Adam fell that mankind was considered to have fallen. And that is established by the Scriptures. It was not until Adam yielded to Eve that the fall of man was accomplished. You can look at Job 31, verse 33, and Romans 5, and verse 14. So, man was made to be a son of God and to have the qualities of a son of God to rule the earth in a likeness to his maker. But unfortunately, when Adam yielded, it is interesting when God went to look for the pair, the Lord did not say, Eve, where are you? But rather he said, why? Adam, where are you? Why did he single out Adam and not Eve? Because Adam was the one that God had made who had the responsibility to keep himself and all that God had given to him loyal to God. But Adam failed. He did not keep his wife close to him. So, gentlemen, remember that. Keep your wives close to you. What do you say? Some of you are smiling. And so, because Adam failed, God, when he went to look for the couple, he called out for Adam. And the question he said uh when adam said i was afraid i was hiding was what did you do did you do eat of the tree which i told you not to eat and then adam began to pass the buck you remember that okay so when adam fell he also lost the character that god had intended man to have he was to be the protector the house band, the one that kept the house together, which we call husband. And as so he was supposed to be the one protecting, shielding, guarding the, ones, the things that God entrusted to man, but he failed in that. And too often times, the reason why we have all sorts of different weird things that come to planet Earth is because we as men have not been what God intended for us to be. If we as men... Were the kind of people that we should be. Women would feel safe and secure in our love. What do you say? But because we fail so miserably, oftentimes, we have all these different variations that God is not pleased with. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Nevertheless, Death reigned from Adam to Moses. Notice it doesn't say that death reigned from Eve to Moses. It says from where? Adam to Moses. When you think about that, you realize what actually happened. Eve's punishment only included the hardship of childbearing. Did you know that? What was her punishment? It only included what? The pain of childbearing and her desire being to her husband, and that he should rule over thee. That was her punishment. Adam's punishment was much graver. It is far more extensive. The burden of the weight of the transgression was placed upon him, and it was of a global nature. Adam's punishment, the Bible says, curses the ground for thy sake, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken. For thus thou art. And unto dust shalt thou return. And then God said, Man has become like one of us. Therefore we need to put him out of the garden. And so along with Adam... Eve had to leave her lovely home. God then charged Adam with the global responsibility for what had happened, not Eve. Therefore, it means that God held Adam responsible and not the woman for the mess that we have in planet Earth. Even though men like to blame women. Is that true? Some of you are smiling again. Most of the problem is that, as I said, we have the responsibility for all that takes place on this planet. And so God ordained an order. Now, you and I may not agree with it. We may not like it. We may not think that it's a wise thing to do. But God, in His wisdom, establish an order for the well-being of society, for the well-being of the family, and for the well-being of the individual. If we were, as a people, to maintain our relationship with God as God has established it, I think families would be happier, and I think children would be happier as well. And so, or there is a primary reason why the Lord inspired Paul to write the counsel. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. Sometimes men just quote the first part. Which part did they quote? The first part. Wives submit yourselves unto your husband. I'm the boss. But it says, As unto the Lord. And he repeated the counsel again to the Ephesians when he's Colossians, pardon me, when he said, Wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and be not bitter against them. And so, we find the council for the purpose of order. You and I know that even in a kitchen you cannot have two queens. Is that true? How many queens can you have in your kitchen? Only one queen. And as much as you might like to be friends with somebody else, when they come to your kitchen, you may relent. You may say, you take over the kitchen. But that's only temporarily, because when you come back and you discover something missing, then all of a sudden it's your kitchen. Or when you discover something is broken, then all of a sudden, oh, she broke mine. Isn't that true? So how many queens in the kitchen? Only one queen. And how many kings? One king. Otherwise, you'll have a two-headed beast. And a two-headed beast doesn't function. All right? It is when we actually follow and practice what God has ordained that we find the perfect unity that God intended for us. God is a God of order. And there are people who are charging that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a headship. There's no hierarchy. And that is not true. That is only an argument because people are unwilling to submit themselves to the order that God has ordained. We know that in heaven there's an order. Who is in charge of heaven? It is the Father. Who is it? It is the Father. And uh, Jesus submits himself willingly to the Father. You can see that in Mark 13:32 in John 8:28 and 1018. Angels submit themselves to Christ, and uh, they obey His orders. Willingly, happily. And in Hebrews chapter 1 and 6 it says that all of the angels shall bow before Christ. Now, if you're bowing before somebody, that means that there's a hierarchy. Is that true? You recognize somebody higher than yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, because if you're meek and lonely and lowly, there's no problem with bowing down. It's only when you're proud that you have a problem bowing down to somebody. I remember when I, before I became a Christian, I was a very proud person. And I wouldn't bow down to anybody. But when I became a Christian, I was was drafted. And I remember on my first day of induction that to kind of make us humble, they gave us assignments. And the assignment they gave me was to clean the commodes. And they thought that would break my pride. But Christ had already broken that, so they were too late. So, when I went to the commode, I said, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with how much? With all your might. So, I cleaned that commode better than anybody else had cleaned it before. Why? Because with me, it's no more an issue of pride. It was a willingness to submit to Christ, even though what they had asked was not necessarily my job. Among the angels, there is a chain of commands. We have cherubims and we have what? Seraphims. And we know that the cherubims stand before the very presence of God. And we know that Lucifer was one of those cherubims. And so there is a chain of command in heaven. And it's interesting that when there was a battle in heaven, it doesn't say that the angels fought against the angels. It says that Michael and his angels fought against... The dragon and his angels, which means that there was someone in charge of both camps. What do you say? Is that clear? Yes. And so in the scriptures, there is a chain of command even in the angels, but they happily work together. I remember one time, when I first became a by worker, I was working with a pastor, and it was a delight to work with that pastor. He didn't seem to have a jealous bone in his body. I was one of those soul winners that, even though I had never been trained, and I only had one year of, a, of college education, I was bringing people into the Lord all the time. And the pastor, he would just glow and say, Look what the Lord did to Brother Taurus. Another soul, amen. Another soul, amen. In fact, that year, the first year of my uh, Bible working ministry, there were 33 people baptized. And that pastor was just excited that... Uh, Brother Torres is what he used to call me. We had one of all these people. Well, he got changed. He got sent to another district. And a new pastor came in to take his place. And I remember the first meeting that I had with that pastor, the question he asked was, Who's boss? And that was a strange thing for me. Because I had never any question that the pastor was in charge. You understand? But my former pastor didn't act like a boss. He acted like a football coach encouraging me to go ahead and do more and do more and do more. But the new pastor that came in, he had a different mentality. It was about who was boss. With the angels, it doesn't work that way. It's not about who's boss. They recognize who's in charge. But Jesus serves them all. And so... Man is made lower than the angels. He says a little lower, but it doesn't matter which notch you are. If you're lower, you're lower. And so, you find then that there's a Father, and there's a Son, and a Holy Spirit. And you find that they are in charge of a, a retinue of angels that have cherubim and seraphims who are in the chain of command. And then coming down to the planet there, if we find that man was made in charge of all the animals and in charge of all that God had given to him. And so there is a chain of command that works even in the family. What do you say? Now, when the the Jews were to leave Egypt, one of the commands given to them was this. God says, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month shall they take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. God was about to establish something called Passover. But I want you to notice something interesting. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them. Who did he call? The elders. elders. And by the way, so you know, elder is a masculine term never applied to women in the Bible. Did you hear what I said? Elder is a what? A masculine term never applied to women in the Bible. And so, Moses called the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in that basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. I want you to notice something important here. God holds the men responsible for the salvation of the family. When the angel that was to come of destruction throughout Egypt, it was not the women that were called to bear the responsibility of the safekeeping of their families. It was the men the elders. And they had a responsibility. They had to take the blood and put it on the lintel to protect their families. And they themselves were to stay with their families inside their home. Obviously, God ordained that and that Passover feast was to be practiced until Jesus, the Passover lamb, was to come. Sacrifices also were made primarily by man. Abel is registered as the first one to offer a lamb. After that, we find that it is Noah. And after Noah, we find that it is Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And finally, when the sacrificial service was established in the tabernacle, it was the men that were supposed to bring their offerings, their sacrifices before the tabernacle. When the Day of Atonement was complete, It was a man that was to take the scapegoat and take it out into the wilderness and let it go out to die. So, if you see, even when it came to the priesthood, it were only men that were to be priests. And by the way, I should tell you this, that when Aaron was chosen as a priest, there was a challenge to that priesthood by a woman. Her name was Miriam. And she challenged that, and God punished that woman for daring to to challenge what God had ordained not what Moses had established because God is the one that selected Aaron and God is the one that said that Aaron shall be my minister it was not about Moses and when Miriam who obviously must have changed Moses' diapers said look I'm your bigger sister you're not better than me I'm the one who took care of you I'm the one who, who rescued you And uh, told that princess that I uh, I had somebody to take care of you. I'm the one, Moses. It was not about Moses. It was about what God had ordained. And God had ordained that man. And then when men challenged the position, it's interesting that Korah said, we are all holy. What was he doing? He was quoting or misquoting what God had said. God had said, you shall be a holy nation and a royal priesthood. And they took that to mean that they were all holy. And so Korak misquoted God in saying, we are all holy. Why are you making yourself more holy than we are? Look at all these prints, 250 of them. We're all holy. Well, that's not what God meant when he said, you shall be a holy nation a royal priesthood. What God meant was, you shall be a holy nation under a royal priesthood. Unlike the other nations of the world that would be ruled by kings, God intended that God's people would be guided by priests. And he made it clear what he meant when he established a priesthood by ordering that Aaron and his sons would be the priests and nobody else. And when Korah, who was a first cousin to Moses... Did you hear what I said? Korah was a Levite. He was a first cousin to Moses. He was only given the charge of carrying the furniture, never to minister in behalf of God. And when he dared to say to Moses, we all have senses, we're all priests, you see, isn't that what people are saying today? We're all what? We're all priests. Priests of the believers. Friends, don't believe that. That phrase is not in the Bible, the priests of the believers. That phrase was coined by Martin Luther, who was making a contrast between what the Catholic Church was doing is saying that only certain people can approach God, who are priests, Martin Luther was simply saying, we can all approach God. We are all priests. So that phrase, priests of the believers, is a Martin Luther coined phrase, not a biblical phrase. Did you hear what I said? And so, when Korah dared to challenge Moses and say, we are all priests, we're all holy just as you are, God said to Moses, If the ground opens up, then you know that that God has spoken by me. But if you live a normal life, then you don't need to be worried about that. Well, the ground did open up, and Korah disappeared. And then the 250 priests, who dared to claim to be priests, were slain by fire. And the people were still angry, even though they saw the direct manifestation of God who is protecting the order that he has established, by slaying these rebels, the the people got mad and said, you have killed these holy men. See, they had uh, believed the doctrine that Korah had established, that everybody was holy. You have killed these holy men. And the plague broke out. And when the plague broke out, then Moses told Aaron, Aaron, take your censer and stand between the living and the dead. And when Aaron alone, with his censer, stood in the midst of the living and the dying, the plague stopped. But even after that, the people still did not accept that Aaron was to be the only priest. So the the only way that God settled it was this way. He said, tell all the tribes to get rods and put the names on the rods. Twelve of them. And Moses did that. And then God said, put them in the tabernacle." So Moses did that. In the morning... There was only one that budded and had fruit on it and leaves. And that was whose? Aaron's rod. And that forever settled that God had ordained Aaron as a priest. Why is it that God has to go through all that when we should just simply accept what he says? What do you say? So what is the problem of today? Under the cover of that we're all equal. They're trying to establish something that God has not ordained. The Scripture is plain. God has a order, a system that He established. And when you think of all the heaven and all the earth, you will see that even... In nature, God has a system. You know, even among animals, what happens. You take wolves, and among the wolves there's a what? An alpha. What's the alpha? The head wolf. Well, how do they figure that out? Do you understand? There's always a leader in everything. Is that true? Yes or no? How did they figure that out? It's interesting that the animals figured it out a long time ago, and we haven't been able to do that. And we're supposed to be the supreme beings with higher intellect. But listen, even the Ten Commandments, when God wrote the Ten Commandments, God wrote the Ten Commandments as directing the men. Now, you probably haven't seen this before. But if you consider the commandments, you will see the second commandment is addressing not the mothers, but who? Visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and fourth generation. The fourth commandment is about addressing the men. Thou not thy son, nor thy daughter. If you look in the commentary, you'll find that men are the ones that are accredited as being the fathers of the sons and daughters. It never says the sons and daughters of the mother. It always says the sons and daughters of the father. And so God is addressing in the fourth commandment the males as responsible for their families in making sure that the families are in harmony in keeping the fourth commandment. So sometimes the wives have to remind the husbands, Hey, it's time to get ready for the Sabbath. But it should be the husband that says, Honey, we need to get ready for the Sabbath. What do you say? Now, we get forgetful, don't we, men? Is that true? Some of you are not willing to wave your head. Well, do we get forgetful? Yes or no? Sometimes we're so busy working outside that we forget what time it is. And I'm thankful that we have good, sacred, committed wives that will call to our attention and say, Hey, honey, it's time to come in. (laughs) The fifth commandment. Honor thy father and thy mother. The tenth commandment. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. I want you to know that this is all male-directed. This is what? You change the order that God established, and you must change the Ten Commandments. And so, the attack today in changing God's order is, in essence, to change God. And the Bible says that God changes not. And so, throughout, throughout the Bible, you'll find that God did establish a system, an order. Men only carry the furniture of the tabernacle. Those are the sons of Korah. By the way, it's interesting, if you read the Bible carefully, that Korah died, but his sons did not. Which is interesting, then, that his sons were not part of the rebellion, even though that Korah and Dathan and Abiram got together and 250 others. But Korah's sons did not support that, apparently, because later on you'll find that Korah's sons are still serving in the sanctuary, carrying the furniture. And by the way, the young man who touched the ark and died happened to be a person who violated what God said that only certain people could handle the ark. Only males could be priests. In the Jewish economy, women were never priests. Priests. Only males became priests. The only one who comes close to being a priest in the Bible and a priestess is Jezebel. And I don't know that any Christian woman would want to emulate Jezebel. Men were the heads of the tribes and families. When Moses' father-in-law gave him counsel, it says Moses chose what did he choose? Able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And they judged the people at all seasons. The hard causes they brought unto Moses, but every small matter they judged themselves. Notice again that God set up a system for the well-being of His people. However, it's interesting. When the nation went into apostasy, we're talking about way after when the kings were established and all that, When Israel went into apostasy, then the order that God had established changed. I want you to notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 3.12. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women, what? Rule over them. So when Israel went into apostasy, the order that God had set up changed. Now, It is clear then that there were some women, Athaliah, Jezebel, and other women, who chose to become leaders in Israel. But it was not God's plan. And in fact, if you read carefully in Jeremiah, you'll discover that the women began to participate in making uh, offerings unto other gods. And that the men actually supported the women in that. So when the women began to participate in making offerings unto other gods, they were participating in the worship service. But they misled the nation. And the nation was completely devastated. Today there are Jews everywhere in the world who don't know they're Jews because they were scattered because of the apostasy that took place in Israel. So from Adam to Christ, God was consistent with His ordained order of headship. When Jesus was about to reestablish a new church, the Bible says, and He ordained how many? Twelve. Now I should tell you that there were many women who followed Christ, but He only ordained how many? Twelve. Twelve what? Twelve men. He ordained 12 men, and before he left the planet, he had a time with his disciples. By this time, there were how many followers or disciples? There were 12, and then there were 70. But when he had this special occasion, ready to establish his church on earth, he only handpicked the 12 men that he had ordained. And it was not to the 70 disciples but to the twelve disciples that he had ordained, that he gave the commission to follow through with the establishment of his church. And in fact, he says that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. There were women, wonderful women, who ministered unto Christ, who gave money to support Christ, even from Herod's uh, kingdom. Yet, Jesus selected twelve. Now, People say, well, that was cultural. In those days, women were not allowed to serve, and that is not true. People who use that argument either do not know history or are willingly trying to say something that is not true. In the Roman Empire, are you hearing me? In the Roman Empire, during Christ's time, the Romans selected seven virgins. How many? Seven virgins. From 13 to 30, they were supposed to serve Rome as priestesses. And these women were to maintain their, their chastity in order for Rome to prosper. And if something was going wrong with the empire of Rome, they would go and investigate to see if one of these young women that had been highly recognized as a priestess in Rome had violated her covenant. And if they discovered that one of the young virgins had violated her covenant, they would bury her alive in the ground with her head sticking out of the ground. So in Rome, there were women who were priestess who were recognized highly by the Roman Empire and who the Roman Empire believed that their success and prosperity depended on the purity and chastity of these seven virgins. So people who say that in Christ's day the culture was different don't know what they're talking about or are willingly ignorant or are willingly trying to cover up the reality that history bears truth that in culture in those days there were many women priestesses throughout the history of the pagan nations. The reality is that God had a purpose. He had a what? A purpose. He ordained how many? Twelve. And He told those twelve that they would sit on twelve thrones, which means that what the Lord had established was not just for them, but was for... Ever. When the, one of those apostles apostatized, his name was Judas, they decided that they needed to set up another person in their stead. And in that room now, there were not 70, but there were 120 men and women. Mary Magdalene was there, who Jesus had said that her story needs to be told Everywhere. Wherever the gospel is preached, the story of Mary Magdalene washing Jesus' feet should be told. Well, you would think then that the disciples said, you remember what, what Jesus said about Mary? We better select her. Or oh, what about Mary, the mother of Jesus? Of all people, she certainly should take the place of Judas. But no, there was not a lady selected. Again, the Holy Spirit. Who led? The Holy Spirit led them to select another male to take the place of fallen Judas. And so it was. So, after narrowing the eligible male candidates to two men, namely Joseph called Barsabbas, who was named Justice, and Matthias. And so the Lord's Spirit led to select one man. Finally, the apostles understood this order and followed what Jesus had said. Paul writing to Timothy, Thou therefore my son. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to what? the faithful. faithful who? Men. Faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The apostles understood quite clearly that there was a mandate, and they were obedient to that mandate. And so, throughout the Scriptures, we find that God has an order. Now, this thing of equality, where it says, some people misuse the books of Paul, especially Galatians, where it says there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither Greek nor neither male nor And they say, well, that means that now male and female are the same. Friends, look at each other and see if you're the same. Women are still women. Men are still men. Greeks are still Greeks. Jews are still Jews. Bonds are still bonds, and free are still free. My friends, that is a misapplication of what Paul was writing. Paul was writing that when it comes to salvation, all of us can approach the throne of grace. How many of us? Including children. All can approach the kingdom of God, irrespective of where you come from, who you are, whether you're high or low, whether you're male or female, all have the privilege to find salvation in Christ. That has nothing to do with us being the same. Listen. You can take four quarters and a dollar bill. Are they equal? They're equal in what? In value. Are they the same? No. no. Try to take that dollar bill and fold it up and put it in the slot where four quarters are required and push as much as you want. That machine is not going to start. You want to start that machine? You better put it in the four quarters. Equal in value. But the machine doesn't know the difference. The machine just has to receive the four quarters. And so, being equal does not mean you are the the same. God made an order. And I'm thankful that there is that order. Unfortunately, I grew up with only a mother. I'm saying unfortunately, because I never knew the love of a father. So when I was going to become a Christian, I couldn't understand... How you love a man, you understand. Because you're only supposed to love a woman. A man loves a woman. A man doesn't love a man. And so to me, this whole idea of loving loving a man was kind of bizarre because I had never experienced the love of a, of a father. I knew the love of a mother. And I thank God for my mother. But my mother often would have to say to me, I have to be everything to you. I have to be your father, your mother, your auntie, <laughs> Everything. And bless her heart, she was. She was raising six boys by herself in New York City, in the slums of New York. And mother, bless her heart, even though she had no education, she was a very simple woman. She knew enough to teach us what was right and what was wrong. Even though we went the wrong way, she always prayed that we would go the right way. And God did answer her prayers. And finally, by God's grace, all of us became Christians. Praise the good Lord. And so, there's no question in our minds, even though we had no father, that we never called mom, hey, dad. Do you understand what I'm saying? We never said dad to her. That would be an insult to her. We always said, mom, mommy. And every time she heard that word, mommy, she always responded. She knew who we were talking to. Sometimes she may believe she didn't hear because we were after wanting this and wanting that. But she knew who we were talking to. I'm thankful that as Christians, we have clarity in the Scriptures that there is a headship. What do you say? That God has established an order. What do you say? And by the way, that order... That God that's established in heaven will continue. It will not change. God will always be God. Thank God for that. Christ will always be Christ. Thank God for that. The angels will always be angels. Thank God for that. And the only ones that will change will be us. We will all be made equal to the angels. Now we're a little lower. But then we will be like the angels. We will be kind of elevated... What do you say? So, ladies, don't try to elevate yourself now. Wait until Jesus elevates you. And you'll be just like the angels. And men, likewise. God has promised. There is hope for us in the future. What do you say? But our hope must be based upon that which God has established for our well-being, for our happiness, for our salvation, for system, for order for regulation you abandoned order and regulation that's what happened during the hippie days I remember that during the hippie days how many of you were hippies here any former hippies we got former hippies that don't look hippie anymore I remember hanging out with the hippies and you know what, what, what was going on with the hippies they decided to discard all order all law So that they could be free. And they discover very quickly that there's no such thing as freedom apart from having order. Order is something that God has ordained for His children, for our well-being. And when we follow His order, we'll find safety. When we disregard His order, we'll find chaos. And we're bringing this division into our midst today is that there are well-meaning people who are, who are thinking that they need to put women in the place where men ought to be. Amen. And it ought not to be. Amen. With all due respects to ladies, my wife just, you know, she's amazed. She said, I can't understand it. And you know what's interesting about it? Is that in our rank and file of members across the United States, and I travel all over the United States, it is only a few women who are desirous of that position. The rank and file of women across North America who are Adventist Christians have no desire to enter into that because they recognize that the Bible is clear. God has a system that He has established. And the quicker that we submit ourselves to His order, the faster that we'll find salvation. God wants to lead His children home. But He wants to lead His children home in the way that He has ordained. And the final conclusion, in that verse in Peter, where it says you're a royal priest a holy nation, what God is doing through Peter is telling the apostolic church that now they hold the position that ancient Israel held. That they were to be a holy nation with a royal priesthood. The difference is this. Christ is our royal priest. And under Christ, we are to be a Holy nation. And all of us, all of us, should submit ourselves to that which God has ordained for His church. I praise God that we have a church that recently voted in the right direction. What do you say? It was clear, and I hope that by God's grace we will continue to hang together. But listen, we are told that the church will appear as it has fallen. Now, if it appears, it doesn't mean it does fall. It only what? Appears as it has fallen. Some people say, well, that's only, that's only spiritual people. No, it is the church. The church will appear as it has fallen. But it will go through while sinners in Zion will be sifted out. So, friends, listen. When I fly in airplanes, and I fly in many airplanes... I have a million plus miles in United and a million plus miles in Delta. So that tells you that I've flown to the moon several times back and forth. But listen, when the pilot says, we are going into turbulence, jump out the window. Now, what he says? What does the pilot say? When you're going into turbulence, what does he say? Tighten the seat belt. So, friends, brothers, and sisters, we are in turbulence right now. This is not the time to jump out the window. This is the time to do what? Tighten your seatbelt. Stay in the church, even though it will appear as it has fallen. Remember, it only appears. But it will go through. There is hope for God's people. What do you say? How many of you rejoice in that hope today? Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that from Genesis to Revelation, even the 24 elders that sit on 24 thrones in heaven, that you have been consistent. You have ordained a human race with men at the head. And while it's true that men have violated, misused, the gift that you have given to him. Is Is also true that those gifts can be used in the right way so that men can uplift their families? Men can uplift their communities. Men can provide a safe haven for their children. And men could protect their families and make sure as priests in their homes to provide a way of salvation for all that dwell within their homes. Oh God, help us to be faithful to our calling. Bless your church. Help us to be willing to submit ourselves meekly to that which you have ordained. And save us at last, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was made available by American Christian Ministries. For more resources like this, visit AmericanChristianMinistries.org or download their free mobile app for Android or iOS. It's been a pleasure bringing you this program here on 3ABN Australia Radio.